Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Six Degrees of Mike McKenna, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This episode, I'm joined by me and Gordon Weigers from the Vegas Golden Knights. The tables are turned. In this episode, we talk about my favorite memories from the American Hockey League. It started out as an article idea for the Henderson Silver Knights website, you know, introducing the team to the league. Thought it'd be a lot of fun to go back and interview the broadcasters from within the Vegas Golden Knights organization. So here's the audio from it. Lots of great stories. Uh, just some of my favorites, really. It's kind of a greatest hits. There's a lot more that I could have gone into, uh, but it's a ton of fun to go back in my career and relive some of these memories. And thanks to Gordon Weigers, who did an amazing job getting the best out of me and really just had a lot of fun chatting about it. And remember, the NFL season, it's still going. We're getting closer to playoffs, to the Super Bowl, and even if you can't be in the stadium, I know in some places you can, not everywhere, but you know what? You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. The online casino is always open, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today, take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, sign up today. Also want to tell you about the coaching that I'm doing with 44 Vision Hockey. If you go to the website, 44visionhockey.com, take a look around. What I do, I upload clips. We get them from Hockey TV, Live Barn, and we're able to make sure that we take your game, dissect it, analyze it, and I bring you my knowledge. We go over it in a Zoom call. Some of your clips are uploaded to your own personal page. And basically, we're just virtually taking your game and improving it and looking through the eyes of a former professional, current broadcaster. So again, 44visionhockey.com. Check it out. And you can always catch me on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at MikeMcKenna56. The American Hockey League. Huh? Yep. The Iron League. The, the Iron League. What do you first remember about uh, getting up to the AHL? And uh, where was it when you first started? My first crack at it was training camp with the Omaha Exarban Knights, which is, of course, no longer in existence. Uh, that's about half the teams I played for in the American League. Uh, it was Calgary's farm team, and I went to training camp. And I didn't end up playing for them during the regular season. Uh, I was playing in the coast at the time with Vegas, and I was called up to the Norfolk Admirals that year. So I went all the way across the country, uh, stepped right in the cage, played four or five games right off the bat. And uh, we had like, you know, Dustin Bufflin was on that team, Corey Crawford, um, several other guys that played a lot of time. James was Newski. I just remember thinking, like, man, I'm being called up to the American League. This is unbelievable because <laughs> I wasn't on an NHL contract, you know? Right. And uh, so I, I get up to the American League and I play some games and I'm thinking, man, I could do this. And then I went right back to the coast and that was that for the year. Um, and I didn't make it there until really full-time until my third season. But mm -hmm. I just remember though looking around the room and thinking, wow, these guys are real prospects. Mm -hmm. You know, they're on NHL contracts. We've got first, second rounders in here. There, it was a stark contrast to the ECHL at the time. Yeah, I mean, in an AHL locker room, you've got a, a mix of, of guys who are on all different tracks in their careers. Like maybe it's a guy getting called up to the A, doesn't have an NHL contract. You've got first-round picks in there. You've got guys who played 
500 games in the NHL and are on their way back down. Uh, at first, when you were coming up, what was that like for you, you know, looking around that room and, and maybe were there a couple of guys that you learned the ropes from early on? Well, especially coming into that locker room, the first person that comes to mind is Sean Thornton. Mm-hmm. And you know, Sean Thornton, obviously people remember him from his NHL career, winning a Stanley Cup with Boston. And when I got to the American League, he had already played the better part of like six or seven seasons in that league. Mm-hmm. And at a time frame when a lot of what he played was all maritime teams. And he, he had about 350 penalty minutes every single year in the American League. And this was before he really made the NHL. Wow. So here I'm looking at Sean Thornton at probably 27 or eight years old. Like this guy is the most grizzled old veteran on the planet. Mm-hmm. And the irony is I played until I was 36. Right. <laughs> but uh, Sean Thornton, 100%. Uh, Quentin Lang who also people remember from the NHL, uh, led the league in shots blocked. He went on to play. So two of the older guys there for sure that I, that I really I looked up to in a lot of ways. Um, but, man, Thornton really, he, he set an example, I'll say that. Were there any other guys your age uh, that you were coming up with that maybe you kind of had to jump into the fire with, you know, learning how to – I mean, you already knew how to live on your own and, you know, kind of take care of yourself. But, you know, that's a – it's it's always a different situation. So was there anyone that was kind of your, your wingman that you, uh, you know, kind of came up with? Yeah. You know, the time in Norfolk was, was a quick call up. And then mm-hmm. the next year with Omaha and with Milwaukee was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really cool that happened to me in Milwaukee when I was there. If you look at my stats, I played one game. Mm-hmm. I had about three goals on four shots and that was <laughs> it. <laughs> but I was there for, about a month, three weeks or a month over Christmas. And mm-hmm. Rich Peverly, Pekka Rene took me in. We had Christmas dinner together. We didn't have anybody else to, to celebrate with. And that was really, really cool. Rich Peverly, Peverly and I were teammates at St. Lawrence. Oh, so nice. I, I really, really leaned on him while I was there. And Pekka, I knew from Nashville's development camps when I was a pick from them. So those two guys really helped. And then my third year when I got to Portland, Maine, being my first year pro, that's really where I got the chance to, to dig in a little bit. And uh, Bobby Ryan is somebody who we were close. We were both essentially rookies in the American League, so got along really well. I had a stall next to a guy named Daryl Bootland, who I think has the all-time penalty minutes record in mm-hmm. North America. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Eric Weinrich was on the team in Portland, winding him, yeah. down his career. And there's a guy that, man, you'd learn from. He was the best, you know. At the end of the, at the season party at the end of the year, he – he apologized because he could only, they only had Dom Perignon and nothing better at the restaurant. And he made a joke of it because he's, he's a very dry sense of humor. Sorry, boys. They only had Dom. So <laughs> definitely That's a couple awesome. guys there. Bobby, Bobby Ryan and I in Portland. Um, some of the other rookie crew there for sure, though. I remember you telling me um, how much you enjoyed playing in Portland. What was it about that city and that team that you know, really kind of captured you? I think it was just the lifestyle. It was kind of this, you know, Eastern Boston light in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it had a really, really cool vibe to it that the people were super laid back, yet there was still uh, kind of an undercurrent of really happening stuff going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, a lot of people look at Maine as being this just this resort place with a bunch of, you know, old people driving gold cars. And no, it, it's like Portland itself was actually a pretty young city. And Man, like you could go into the best restaurant in town in a flannel and a backwards hat and nobody would bat an eye at you. And mm-hmm. the food was so good. And, you know, we lived right on the ocean. 
like mm-hmm. on the water we'd see seals and bald eagles and all right, Maine's just a really, really unique place, uh, and the Portland fans were super cool. So it was a it was a really cool stop in my career. How was the rink there? <laughs> well, it went through a renovation. The first time it was uh, dungeon esque, I guess you could say. I, mean, I think we had one and a half shower heads. Uh, <laughs> there was a big pole in the middle of the locker room that you had to peer around to see Kevin Deneen when he come in to, to to coach us between periods. Um, after the renovation, it definitely improved. We had a better locker room. Uh, it was unique. It was, a, it was a smaller building though. That was really the right size for the American league. I think it was, it held seven or 8,000, which, you know, that's your ballpark, really what you'd, you'd like to have. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we would get, we'd get good crowds pretty regularly. And, um, but yeah, man, that place was, it's on a hillside and, and we'd always be wondering if the visiting team coming in was going to get the bus stuck going up the hill, because sometimes when it's snowing, you just can't get those wheels to dig in and get up the hill. <laughs> it happened a few times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Deneen as, as one of your coaches. Who were, who were some of the, some of the guys that, you know, on the coaching side helped you, helped you come up, uh, at the AHL level and maybe, you know, some, some, someone gave you some, some great advice or, uh, or maybe there was just an absolute character. Gary was telling me that when he was, uh, covering Manitoba, uh, I, f- I forget the exact, uh, coach that it was, but, Gary wrote something critical about him uh, in the paper, and and he said, "Hey, you know, Dave Nonis up in Vancouver said, or no, it was uh, Brian Burke in Vancouver said, I don't have to win any games as long as I'm developing the players. Doesn't matter, like just like any classic like coach <laughs> stories like that." Well, the irony is that Brian Burke was running Portland when I got there hey, my first year, yeah. so with Dino. But you know, Kevin Deneen and his brother Gord was there too. They were the staff, mm-hmm. and great name. They gave me my first break you know, and it is a good name, Gordon, you know, Gordo, uh, Gordon, but they gave me my first break and I played well enough, but they rewarded me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think too, that they helped me really bring myself down. I used to be really high strung, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd freak out and snap sticks. And by the end of my career, I'd probably only snap one stick a year instead of several, you know? And yeah. um, so I, I think they helped kind of calm me down and realize it's not life or death out here have fun and play mm-hmm. um they were critical to me we had a guy named dave allison in peoria though that yeah. this guy was the ultimate coach in terms of getting trying to find ways to motivate mm-hmm. and he'd walk in the locker room and tell these stories and one game we're playing against grand rapids and it's probably November and Grand Rapids won the Calder cup that year. So really good team. Right. And they had Nyquist, Tatar, Sheehan, Mrazic, quite a few, right. Very good team. Right. And he walks into the locker room, doesn't say a word to us. He walks in strutting and he goes, boys, tonight we are going to be winners and grinners. We are going to take it to the Grand Rapids Griff. And he went on this (laughs) soliloquy for about five minutes with the tone and inflection of a Southern general and our assistant coach, Scott Allen uh, had to walk out of the room and we're all looking around like, is this guy for real? He's trying to motivate us, get us going, get us to laugh. Well, we lost six, one that night. So (laughs) (laughs) the Southern general never came back, but, uh, but yeah, Dave Allison, I mean, he had some one liners, like always carry a screwdriver. Just, you know, he was at a, I could go on and on about this guy. I mean, one day he made a sh- shoulder a lamb at himself for by himself at home. And he brought in lamb for lamb sandwiches for the guys in the room. <laughs> I've never seen lamb sandwiches in the locker room, but Interesting. good old Dave Allison did it for us. And 
and he was merciful. If, if a guy had uh, had a couple too many at rookie party, he'd let him off the ice early. And yeah. Yeah. Dave Allison. And I mentioned Scott Allen. I had Scott Allen in three cities, Omaha, Sarban Knights, Peoria Riverman, and the Portland Pirates. And he wow. was probably the best coach that I, that I think I ever had. And I mm-hmm. haven't even touched goalie coaches. So. <laughs> oh, I bet there's, there's plenty there. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's funny to hear about the lamb sandwiches. I was talking to Shane uh, last week and he said, you know, kind of like, um, forget which team he was with, but the, the coach kind of came into the room after, after a game and was like, Oh, if you're working out, like after the game, that means you didn't work hard enough. And, and why are you drinking a, a milkshake for what's that doing any good for you? If you want to reward yourself, have a beer. Like, um, <laughs> what was, I mean, it, it sure has. I mean, just tell me a little bit about like the, like the value of nutrition and, you know, and kind of the, the, um, you know, how guys approach that because you see what guys are doing now when they're uh, when they're in the room, it's, it's all regimented. It's all like super top notch, healthy food. Like what was it like for you? Yeah, it was all, it's all business now really. And it was much more laid back. You know, when you watch movies like Slapshot and you see the team go to the bar at lunchtime, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, that actually did happen in, in the early years of my career. And I started in 2005 and, but really in the last I would say last seven, eight years, it's transitioned to being really, really serious. You know, like uh, we used to just eat soggy subs on the bus after games. And, mm-hmm. and it was like mandatory. Like if you had a game the next day, you weren't, but it was mandatory on the bus ride home that there'd be coolers of beer on it. That's just yeah. how it worked. Right. And, yeah. uh, and you don't see that now unless you get permission or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Some teams won't in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, we, we would, it was just, we'd get sake subs on the butt and now they're having catered meals after every single game on the road for the players. So they're, they're taking care of nutrition for the players. The teams are, when I started, there wasn't a strength coach, you know, yeah. the assistant coach would post the workout on the wall, you know, they'd have at it, you know, a couple yeah. of, couple of curls and maybe a chest exercise. And now you've, you know, you have a dedicated strength coach that's there. That's monitoring everything. You have a dedicated goalie coach. I never had a goalie coach in the American league until I was, I think 31. You know, and that's, it's pretty astonishing, right? Because developing goalies is supposed to be your most important thing. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like the seriousness of it and, and the amount that teams have invested, that's yeah. why players are so ready when they step into the NHL. Now they, they've, they've had that experience. They know what to expect. For sure. What was your go-to soggy sub? Oh man. I, the old Italian combo for me, you know, yeah. and in whatever variation, you know, cause you'd always get your meal from whatever, restaurant greased the local team's trainer mm. you know like yeah. the local equipment guy steps in and they say oh we'll give you free subs if you give the menu to the other team great uh that happened a lot so yeah usually an italian combo of some kind would be be good for me but man i was always partial to a grill after a game too you know yeah. if you had a place that had subs and and pizza and by the end of my career the pizza became a last game of the week tradition. I could not do it after a game when there was one the next night. Yeah. But boy, coming home on that last one, you bet I'd be hitting the wheel. <laughs> Gotta have a good wheel. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about food, like when you think back of, of some of the, the stops that, that you made uh, along the way, what were some of the, like any good memorable dinners or even just like kind of, you know, bus rides and, and things like that with. Oh, my, the best dinner we had was probably rookie party with Portland one year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Bissonnette had gotten sent down, or not sent down. He started the year without a contract, and he came to us in Portland. Mm-hmm. And he's like, boys, I'm going to set you up at the rookie party. We'll do it in Boston. I've got this guy. Uh-huh. And we ended up at this Asian restaurant that – didn't allow our rookies in in the first place. <laughs> and then we had a $450 water charge um, because, you know, biz, we don't drink tap water. Yeah, yeah. we do, biz. It's the American yeah. League. <laughs> so oh, yeah. 450 in water and about an $800 uh, service fee to somebody we didn't know. Went to this weird club afterwards. It, it was an adventure. Um, wow. So that was very memorable for different reasons. Yeah. I do remember one of the best meals that we ever did have was in Austin, Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. at a rookie party um place called parkside that was is the best rookie party ever in austin because it was yeah. such a cool city so much to mm-hmm. do um but man bus rides whew, i mean we caught a bus on fire when i was playing with portland on the way to providence right rear tire blue uh caught a hydraulic line or something and next thing you know flames are licking over the side of the bus and My our gosh. six five tough guy mike hoffman starts jumping over seats like costanza and seinfeld the flames are coming so uh, the bus was on fire. It really was. I've got pictures well, of it. We were on the news and everything, but we ended up playing the game two hours late and we smelled like mechanical fire. And oh, by the time smoke inhalation set in the third period, we lost. We, had, we kept it together through the first. Uh, that wasn't fun. I'll get you. My goalie partner was scheduled to play. He refused. And then I had to play. So oh my that gosh. was good. Um, one night in Manchester, Darth Vader was set to drop the puck and for whatever reason the rink staff in Manchester didn't have the presence of mind to put a rug out for Darth and um, Darth's war boots didn't stick well to the ice and down he went his head fell off and we actually heard that he like hurt his knee too which was like double bad but the the mascot for Manchester was this lion and the lion's out there with him and he had to shuffle over get Darth's head that had rolled about 10 feet away on the ice take it back to Darth to put on Darth and Darth just goes, get me out of here. I could hear him from the bench. Get me out of here. Didn't drop the puck. Just got right off the ice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're going to have to put that video in the story. Yeah. That's classic. It's, it's, it's a winner. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, we, we, kinda... flew, we flew with, by the way, we flew on a plane with Flo Rida to St. John's Newfoundland once. Why was Flo Rida going to St. John's? He had a two night gig in St. John's. Wow. So it was Flo Rida and the Fly Girls, and we were on the on the jet with them. We saw them in the Toronto airport, and two of our guys, Shane Harper and Senna Akalazi, look over and they go, "That's that's Flo Rida, dude. It's Flo. I'm telling you." And everybody's going, "That's not Flo. There's no way he's like." And then they get out the picture on the phone, they're like, "It's Mr. Rida." So sure enough, two of our guys popped on over, got a picture with Dr. Rida, and he performed two concerts in St. John's. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, kind of going back to, to the Darth story, like the AHL, like teams can get away with a lot of creative stuff, huh? Like, yeah. were there any, like, uh, like, well, let's talk jerseys first. Did you ever have any, like, just memorable jerseys that you were like, what the heck am I putting on right now? Yeah, that was, that's actually the really cool part of the American League is that they have the availability to do a lot of stuff like that and get fans involved. And a lot of it goes to charitable causes, mm-hmm. which is something the league's really proud of is the amount of money raised in the community. But man, like Star Wars night, I never lost in a Star Wars jersey. Wow. I think I played four of them and I was undefeated. So like they had me up on the big screen as a Sith Lord one night in Portland, <laughs> I think. And in Texas too, it may have been. Um, so that the, the Star Wars nights were fun. I'm trying to think of, you know, some of these off the wall, goofy ones. I 
think in the ECHL got even crazier, but in mm-hmm. the American League, we still would have, you know, these patriotic night were actually really cool. Springfield Mass, we had, you know, these red, white, and blue. Uh, they looked like the American flag on us, basically, said Falcons. Yeah. Um, and the breast cancer ones were always really cool and classy. You know, they'd have mm-hmm. ink on them and, and stuff. Um, Any good Christmas yeah, that, ones? We never did like a crazy Christmas in Peoria. We did St. You know what? We did St. Patrick's Day in Peoria. Oh. And they had a leprechaun and a pot of gold. They were terrible looking. But uh, but <laughs> I think my jersey sold for pretty good money that night. So some lucky nice. person out there has got a, a leprechaun Peoria Riverman McKenna jersey. Plenty more American League stories to come. But first, a word from a couple of our sponsors, Hico Sticks. HicoSticks.com. Hand-eye coordination. That's the HECO portion of it. This is a great training device. I used it late in my career and all those young bucks were trying to take my job to make sure I kept my hand-eye coordination skills up to par. Nowadays, I play with my daughters. We play catch with them. The way they work, they've got three different prongs, all different colors. So as you throw the HECO stick to a partner, you call out a color. You can also call out what hand to catch it with. There's so many variables and it's a great way to make sure that you're continually improving hand-eye coordination. In 2020, Men's Health Magazine named this the best coordination tool that you can possibly get on the market. If you go to hecosticks.com, use my promo code 6DMM56, that's going to get you 10% off on your order for Heco Sticks. Check them out. They work. They're fun. They float. You can even take them to the beach. You can think up all kinds of games with these. You don't even have to just play to train to help yourself train for hockey or any other sport. They're awesome. Another friend of ours on the show, Skin Effects Raps, Mark Magnanti. He did the rap that's currently on my mask, so I looked good on the ice practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights on the rare occasion that I'd have to hop in there last year and help out the team when they needed a goaltender. The recently retired guy would get the call. Well, I didn't want to look bad out there with a mismatched mask. I called Mark. He did an amazing job. My mask was on point. It looked good. Super, super reasonable, cost-effective. The best part is that I can take the wrap off if I need to, if I want to change it. If you change teams, you can get another wrap. They don't affect the original paint on it. Mark does a great job. Again, if you go to his Instagram page, Skin Effects Wraps, he'll hook you up. He'll make you look good. Now plenty more. My favorite American Hockey League stories. You've had some good pad setups too throughout the years as a as a gear guy. Any any AHL getups stand out to you as as some of your favorites? Oh man, I think the like my best overall look may have been with with Columbus and Springfield the year I was there. Again, it was red, white, and blue, a kind of American, just really matched my gear well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really enjoyed was later on when we started to be able to design the gear myself. I had a contest with fans to literally design my pads because the company I wore Bauer could print anything on them. Yeah. So the ones that I had when I was briefly in Belleville, Ontario were spot on. They were so cool. And I didn't get to wear them for very long, unfortunately afterwards, but I always Mm -hmm. wore dark equipment. I liked dark equipment. I liked how it looked. Uh, I thought it had more color and pizzazz and just looked better, you know? So probably maybe my most intimidating set was in, it was probably the year I was in Albany. I had a black, red, and white devil set. Nice. They were pretty, pretty dirty looking. They just looked aggressive. Yeah. Um, 
let's talk about some some playoff runs. Um, were there any that that stand out to you as uh, you know ones that you, know, you that gave you great experience or or anything like that? Yeah, my first year when I was with Portland, we went to the conference finals and I played a handful of games because our other goaltender at the time was in, got injured, J.S. Oban. He actually rolled his ankle playing soccer before the game. Oof. So I found out about five minutes before that I was going in. <laughs> but that oh, was wow. my first taste. And it was like, man, we went to the conference finals. You know, this is, we were close, right? And yeah. kind of, I was chasing it for a long time after that. I, I think the teams that I was on didn't make it out of the first round for a long time. And, you know, even my, my third to last year when I was in Portland, I had a really, really good first round. We lost to Hershey who, you know, went to the finals, really good team, but I, I played really well. And I was like, man, I can do this, you know? And it's funny mm -hmm. cause you're 33 years old, 32 years old. Yeah. But sure enough, the next two years, I ended up going to the, the Calder cup finals with the Syracuse crunch in 2017. Mm -hmm. And then with the uh, Texas stars in 2018 and, you know, to just come that close, we lost in game six, 2017. And I'd been traded at the deadline that year. It was a pretty wild season. Mm -hmm. And then we had expectations and it was hard. And I think we learned from it too. Uh, and then unfortunately I left that team. I wanted to come back. I didn't, didn't get to, I went to Texas and mm -hmm. here we are in the finals again. And yeah. we were such underdogs and we just kept winning. And I was playing the best hockey of my life. I know I was to a T. And we got to game seven. We lost in game seven of the Marlies uh, to Garrett Sparks and his crew there. Mm -hmm. And like, if it'd be, if it gone nine games, we'd have had them. I, I had no doubt in my mind, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but you know, two years in a row with two different teams as a goalie that hadn't been done since I think like 94 and Olaf Colsey, which wow. was, was really cool. Um, it just, I'm, I'm happy I was there. It was a blast. I just wish that uh, we'd gotten over the hump and gotten a, gotten a championship. No doubt. Now, obviously, you, you did get to play in the NHL for a good little while. Um, how did the AHL prepare you for that? Well, it really gave me the availability to get comfortable in my own skin before it happened. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, the first time I played NHL games with the Tampa Bay Lightning when I was up for the longest stretch, my, a long stretch that season – I, just, I don't think I was totally ready for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd only had really a full season in the American Hockey League, and I was a rookie that year, you know? So I was just starting to come into my own at that level, and all, next thing you know, I was in the NHL. So I don't think I performed up to my own standards. I'm sure people in Tampa would agree with that. Uh, but after that, I went back to the American League and didn't get another taste of the NHL for it may have been three seasons or something like that, a real taste, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's really where my game grew. You know, I, I went and I went through a couple different cities. And by the time I got some games with the Columbus Blue Jackets, I knew I could play. I just needed that chance. And mm -hmm. that really, that stretch I played with Columbus, uh, some time I had with, with Dallas, like I knew I could play in the NHL because I'd gone back to the American League. I knew what I needed to work on to perfect everything and, and to truly like get into the shape to do it too, you know? Yeah. And it coincided with the nutrition and the training improving in the American hockey league during my career that benefited me greatly because by the next shot I had, I had those resources and I mm. knew how to prepare myself mentally and physically. For sure. Um, favorite AHL rink, least favorite AHL rink. Oh, 
<laughs> you know, uh, I was actually lucky to get traded there. I have a thing for old, awful rinks. Like the, just the, barns. Gr- the grimiest, greasiest, one shower head, small locker room. Not as a home team. I don't want that as the home team. Right. But as an away team, like I have this affinity for this old school. So I loved Syracuse. I always did. And I mm-hmm. always played well there for some reason. And sure enough, I end up getting traded there and we go on a great run. And yeah. I think it kind of coincided. Like, I love that rink. I love playing in it. Just right on top of you. If, you, if we talk to the Sicilian soundbite, Dan Duva, who was there for years as the color radio, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, will tell you he is right on top of the ice when he was calling games. Yeah. I love that you're there. Uh, as far as worst, oh, Hershey just crushed me. I just never mm-hmm. won in Hershey. And yeah. I find – you know, what's funny is what I told you earlier, though, about the playoffs against Hershey. Well, I finally won some games there, and it was in playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it was like this huge monkey off my back that had been on for a solid decade. Wow. That's, that's funny because, you know, everyone kind of talks down about Syracuse, and I love that, yeah. that, you, that it was I one love, of your favorite I just spots. loved it. Yeah. The new rinks are so generic to me, a lot of them. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of similar to one another. Yeah. Um, were there any guys that uh, you saw kind of come up through the ranks that, uh, you know, avid NHL fans would know now that maybe you saw and you were like, that guy's got it going on. Once he figures it out, he's going to really make it in the NHL. Yeah, there's usually one or two per team, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll just reference the teams that I was playing on, especially yeah. we all knew Bobby Ryan was going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. No question about it. He was headed in that, on that track. Sure enough, he was. You know, yeah. there was no surprise to him whatsoever. And he was an early draft pick too. Um, when I was with the Devils organization, Adam Henrique, we knew he was on a short path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't going to take long. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Binghamton, Robin Leonard, you know, he was 21 years old. He'd won a Calder Cup. We knew he had all the skill in the world and had that chance. And we see what he's doing with it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peoria, Jaden Schwartz. Wow. Talk about somebody, though, who really, at the beginning of the season in Peoria, this was the lockout year, 2012-13. He wasn't great at the start of the year, but his game just went better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And then when he got to the NHL, he just, he never came back to the American League and he took off. Mm So, yeah, Jaden Schwartz, Ian Cole was on that team, too. Mm -hmm. Man, we, it's, there's been a lot of guys, right, I guess, when I look back at it, but, uh, you know, Rope Hints in Texas, Dennis Garyanov. Uh, we didn't know about Gary, but he's proved a lot of people wrong. Rope mm-hmm. Hints, we sure knew about him. Yeah. So, yeah, there's – I could probably go through a big list. Yanni Gord is a name who in, mm-hmm. in uh, Syracuse, we all went, yep, this guy's going to do it. So, wow. it's, uh, it's usually, like you say, there's one or two guys per team that are, that are pretty obvious. That's pretty cool. Um, I want to get into kind of how you look at Henderson coming into the league and, and what fans can expect. But before we get into that, are there any other like classic stories that, that you have uh, kind of top of the head that you want to tell from your career? Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot of good ones well, in here. A couple of, I've got a couple of them about guys that flew home during Christmas breaks to Europe. Um, that wasn't oh. the greatest one. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, my probably the best one is it was a case of mistaken identity. It was when I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and it was the Halloween party. And I was dressed as the Macho Man Randy Savage. 
And it couldn't have been more apparent that I was the macho man, Randy Savage. It said it on my bandana on the back of my outfit. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of guys uh, got a little out of control and they decided to throw beer cans off the roof of the venue that we were at. Well, sure enough, someone across the way saw it and one, one nearly hit a police car and just everything that you can imagine that wasn't smart. Yeah. Well, the cops come up. And they say, we want this, 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 this. We want the pirate. We want Hulk Hogan. We want this guy. We want the Steve Puff Marshmallow Man. Well, in a case of mistaken identity, they fingered me in this, that I was one of them throwing beer cans. And no, I, that was the Hulkster, who I am not the Hulkster. I'm clearly the Macho Man. So I'm <laughs> sitting there with mascara in my beard in a neon pink, yellow, orange, with tassel everywhere, thinking I'm going to the clink dressed as the Macho Man. Is there any worse way to go to jail? I've never been in jail. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, uh, our team lawyer, and I think it was the only team in the American League with a team lawyer, but mm -hmm. our team lawyer showed up and uh, he got us all off the hook. And a couple of guilty parties got off with just a little bit of community service. But, uh, yeah. but I was scot-free. They figured out that I was the macho man. Maybe they knew they needed a lawyer. Yeah. Well, I think it went hand in hand. Mark Cantro, he got a lot of got a lot of business out of the boys back in 2005 to 8. <laughs> Good to have Mark around. Um yeah. that's that's awesome. I love it. Um so just kind of looking at, you know, whenever the puck does drop next, you know, why should fans in Henderson be excited to have the Silver Knights? Well, it's not just that you have the chance to see future Vegas Golden Knights, is that you get to see really really good hockey. Mm -hmm. And there's a perception that, oh, it's minor league. Maybe it's not as good. It's excellent hockey. The only difference that you'll really see is that it's just not quite as clean as the NHL. You know, there's a little more chaos to it. Maybe the passes aren't made, but you're still going to find people that can shoot the puck 105 miles an hour, that can mm -hmm. pick corners, you know, D that can skate like Shea Theodore that are just working on their game to get there, goalies that are at the next step. Um, it's great, great hockey, and it's such a fun atmosphere because it can't. You can do different things with the crowd that maybe you can't at the NHL level with a smaller setting, with a little bit more uh, relaxed atmosphere too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually you get really good player access. And that's one yeah. thing I think people can look forward to in Henderson is that the players will definitely be available there, you know, much like our guys with the Vegas Golden Knights, but even maybe to a greater extent, they'll get to meet them, get an autograph, let their kids uh, walk up and, and say hello to them. So uh, I find that really exciting and just expanding the footprint in Vegas. We've, we've talked about it, but it's going to be a treat. It'll be really cool for Henderson to have. No doubt. And, and just, kind of lastly you mentioned the, the family aspect like just in your experience like how have you seen like crowds at AHL games because I, I, I know from my own experience uh, once a year we would take the ferry from Long Island up to Bridgeport on on a night that there was a, like a good family deal or something and you know, watch the Sound Tigers play Binghamton or whoever and uh, that was always fun and there was always a lot of you know families in the crowd like so what do you remember about those crowds and, and specifically for for families to make it accessible for them having kids see the game at, at that level and, and learn to love it. Well, that's the nice part of the price point allows it to happen first off. Mm -hmm. uh, but just being able to go with your kids and not have, you know, things going nonstop, like it isn't uh, quite as chaotic as an NHL game sometimes, right? There's a little mm -hmm. bit less, but it's all catered to families. And yeah. I think to how, you know, they've now incorporated the Simba cam at games. And I'm sure this will happen in Henderson where, a parent picks their child up and holds them up to the sky like they're in the Lion King as they play the song. And 
um, that's the type of thing that's, that's really become common, you know, is getting the fans involved and, uh, and, you know, whether you're having the kids skate after games or just have that chance to go down to the glass and warm ups because you can, right. You don't need a ticket to it's once they open the floodgates and warm ups, you can go wherever you want in the American league. <laughs> right. It's only when they get to get game time, you know, you got to go to your seat. So, um, I, I think it just gives, it gives kids a chance to really, um, clue in on it and see things in person with their family. And that's the important part is just you know, sitting down with your, with your kids and enjoying the game together, talking about it and learning about it and going home in the car and, and continuing that conversation. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to all your podcasts. If you're interested in advertising on Six Degrees, please contact Believe at BLEAV.com. As always, you can find me at Mike McKenna56 on all the socials. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube